Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none of my friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your hosts, Keith Barney Sweaty Bess, Mike and Deglio. Way back in high school, most at night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, and stream it on Hulu. Oh, the practice. No obstruction, no collusion. podcast chronicling david e kelly's the practice we are up to season two episode 10 the spirit of america how are you degs keith i'm uh i'm still i'm still sweating as you know i spent a million dollars on televisions and uh so we couldn't afford an air conditioner for the bedroom and so uh things are uh steamy in here and it's not because of my sex life <laughs> well thanks for all of that your sweaty mess sex life well, that's a, that's a that's a good way to start the show. Hey, Thanks. you know what else I, 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 I keep forgetting that we should start our show with? How to reach us. Oh, damn it. You we think- always forget it, because, like, nobody listens to the play out. I mean, nobody listens anyway, but, like, I can't imagine, like, I'm really going to power through all the way through the play out so I can figure out how to email these guys. So if we were to be professionals and do it, what would we tell them? We'd tell them, write us, email us engage with us at out of practice podcast all one word at gmail.com although do you need to say that are there email addresses that are multiple words not spaced uh no no you you would have to specify like underscore or dot or whatever out of practice podcast at gmail.com or you could find us at out of practice mm-hmm. practice <laughs> out of practice podcast <laughs> dot blogspot dot com or uh i don't know Go Facebook on. and Instagram at yep. out of podcast podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we don't get any emails, Keith. I, th- I think that's how would you like? I, th- I just Leslie Uggams here on uh, yes. June 1st. Oh, it is oh, June 1st. Look at that. It is. It is absolutely. Oh, June is busting out all over. You'd think we'd have that queued up, but we don't. No, no. You know, because uh, professionals would do that. We don't do that. Uh, but anyway, so if you're if you're in the mood to reach out or whatever, please leave us say a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It would really help us double our listener. Yes, it would do that. We are so close to two dollars in revenue. You could really put us over the edge if you are so inclined. Yeah, this is a it's a big moment here. So anyway, so we are here to talk. We are now like mid season season no, no, no. two. Hold on. Oh, roll the objections. I have two. Already? Oh, man. This is the bumper we play more than anything. Objection! Objection! There will be an appeal. Objection! Two 
two objections. Number one, I wanted to to let everyone know my continuing saga of of TVs. Keith, would you believe that on a whim, after having mm-hmm. already purchased the second new TV, right? I thought I did some googling and I realized that it could possibly be what they called a fried logic board. That because I could see a red dot on my TV, it didn't fry the power source; it just fried the logic board. Okay. I could get a refurbished logic board for my TV for. It was like 60 bucks. Even though I'd already bought a TV, I thought, eh, maybe I can fix it and sell it or something. With no real belief that I would be able to do it. It wouldn't work. Uh I'd send the $60 thing back, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, well, it's already long. I fixed it, man. I fixed it. Why do you hate yourself? You've got this beautiful new TV, and now you have to deal with the old one. So I now have a 600 square foot apartment and 750 <laughs> square feet of television. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do yet, whether I'm going to try to sell the old one or just not tell my wife I fixed it or use a 50 screen television for my computer monitor. I think you should do that. I, I mean, to be fair, I have a broken 65 inch behind my couch here. So, <laughs> Okay, that's first objection. Objection number two. <laughs> Do you remember one of the rules we made when starting this podcast was that we weren't going to try to work too hard? Right. Now, little inside I baseball. Feel like, I feel like I've, I've upheld that. Yeah, you have. I, <laughs> I want a little inside baseball here. How Keith and I are basically doing this is we're each recording our audio separately, and then I'm compiling it after the fact, which theoretically should be very easy. Keith sends me normalized audio. I pop it into my... Uh, recording program bing bang boom however the last two episodes of this podcast keith has sent me upwards of 45 separate audio pieces i have not that i have had to piece together escher style here that's a lie it is not a lie i sent you like four all right because sometimes pro tools you know get stuck on stupid keith there were two sets of six sound sources last time that's 12 Maybe it's not 20, but 12 is a lot. You said 45. Okay. <laughs> Never let the facts get in the way of a good story. However, it was a lot, man. So tell Pro Tools to get its shit together. I've, I'm going to try. I was working all morning, so I, it, it's been working fine so far. How so. come GarageBand is, is powering through? Well, it's because I, I think like the problem with Pro Tools is it is a pro- powerful professional piece of equipment which means it can do so much more than garage band but it also there's so many more things to go wrong mm, yes so much like uh this this multifaceted podcast operation we have going on it's so perfect we're so professional we keep fucking up i think that's what you're saying we we do keith but you know what we are masters of do tell the segue in fact oh the next question i have to ask you is yes do you remember november 22nd 1997? I sure do. Sure, why not? <laughs> it but was I, many years ago. It was. It was It was 22 years ago. It was a Saturday, much like today. We're recording it, on a Saturday. It was indeed. And I feel, you know, as is our tradition, you have something very specific locked up, and I'm just going to talk about a general thing that used to happen in the general time. This day in the basement. Actually, Keith, you are wrong. Oh, do tell. Well, I was just thinking about this Saturday today, and uh, we've, I've had some things go on in my personal life this past week that have put me in a in a mood, if you will. Oh, I'm and sorry I was about thinking that. about 
just what Saturdays in general meant in the our mid years of high school. As a junior oh, in high school, yeah. just Saturday in general was such a miraculous time. Yeah. Because Sunday kind of sucked because you had to go back to school the next day. But Saturdays right. is where all the magic happened. Yeah. Games, games to play. Uh, 1997, I was playing Final Fantasy VII. I was playing GoldenEye for the Nintendo 64. Oh, right. Uh, you go to the movies with your friends. You do Sometimes you'd even spend time with your family, dinners with the family, going out to dinner maybe. It was just a great time without a lot of stress. And remember, we thought that we had our own problems. But the truth of the matter is, and if there are any teenagers listening... You have it so great right now. Well, you have it so great in 1997. I think think it's a lot harder for teenagers today than it was back then. Yeah, they got all their podcasts they can listen to. Well, there's a lot more entertainment options, but one of those entertainments is making your friends kill themselves on social media. Mm. Wow, that you just brought it dark. (laughs) Damn. Ooh. The last I thing just, I I wanted to say is I'm I'm approaching forty years old here. Well, I got two years, but I'm getting up there, and uh, I'm still paying my student loans off. And as oh. I pay my student loans, it reminds me that in 1997, around this time, I'm a, I'm imagining maybe I don't know exactly, but 1997 for sure. My brother was auditioning uh, to become the Penn State Nittany Lion, which which he came a full ride scholarship. So, oh right, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, so. Uh, he doesn't have student loans to pay back. And uh, wow. that happened in 1997. So that's my double this day in the basement for this week. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, you know, I'm I'm just going to piggyback off you and talk about the types of things I would be doing on a Saturday night in 1997. Uh, now, there's basically two different things that we might do. We, pretty much my entire childhood, and it was less so when I was this old, um... But frequently, we would spend our Saturday nights at my grandparents' house. And, you know, that that would involve, uh, back when it was on, we would watch Star Trek. And we would, uh, I mean, obviously, and order pizza and play a game called The Dumb Game. Uh, But the the most fun thing, I mean, that was super, super fun. But if things were going really well, what I would be doing on a Saturday night is, (laughs) and this explains... Why I, you know, hope to touch a boob before I turn 40. Uh, <laughs> is what we would do is me and my younger and older brother would be playing D&D for mm. like nine straight hours on a Saturday night. And as we've mentioned before, we're still doing it on our other podcast, Wisdom of One, uh, which you guys should totally check out. It's super, super fun. But we would be sitting at the dining room table and start, you know, like six o'clock and keep going until... One or two o'clock in the morning, just screaming with laughter, causing nonsense. And I would try to bother my little brother as much as humanly possible. Uh, So this is why I had no friends, but I did have a good time retroactively, and I didn't get a DUI or the clap, because I had no friends. As I mentioned video games, and I think specifically these days, video games are are most people's experience with uh, pen and paper, dice rolling, Dungeons and Dragons type systems. Sure. But the thing I don't think a lot of people remember or recognize and maybe haven't been uh, exposed to is that, you know, video games nowadays set up all of the scenarios for you. And it's a very, even these open world games, which are massive, have predetermined stories with predetermined outcomes and maybe a variety of of, uh, ways that you can 
interact in these scenarios, but it does put a cap on your imagination. But when you create your own character and you have a, a DM or a dungeon master who is creating the scenario as you go along, you know, and you can really approach problems, problem solving in any way you can possibly imagine, which is something yeah. that's missing from the video game world is that unlimited imagination. Absolutely. Um, and it, I, I, I totally agree. And I think there's such value in that level of creativity, storytelling wise. And I think, you know, w whether you're five years old out, like running around in the trees and getting mud all over yourself, pretending on something like that, or as an adult, even, you know, as a, it's, I'm a, I write for a living. I tell stories for a living partially because that, you know, of, of, uh, growing up this way and being able to, with my older brother, Sean, the dim would like create, like, here's a problem. And he might have an idea on what the solution is, but you know, Scott and I might come up with something entirely different and we adapt and he adapts and you're right. It's an entirely open world that I don't think video games will ever be able to replicate and uh i i highly recommend you nerds out there like the boobs will still be there later go play some D, &D. it's fun yeah and there are still groups you can join or find your local uh board game shop they usually kind of host or at least meetups where you can kind of meet people um but if you don't have the availability or you're just too shy to find a group to play with and if you like the idea of this or perhaps you just like music or you like people being stupid and funny I do recommend, I can't believe I'm going to do it, checking out Wisdom of One, the podcast. Yeah. Because uh, it's uh, some brothers really brothering it up. Well, um, have you listened to any of it yet? I listened to the first episode. Oh, my God. And so <laughs> I imagine there's more magic to come, if you will. Much more. Um, but if, uh, Keith, I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't suppose you happen to have any of your... <laughs> By the way, if <laughs> you think we come up with some little witty little... Uh, uh, jingles on this show you got you don't even know what the hell is happening over <laughs> on wisdom of one so there's a lot happening do you have anything queued up that you might uh tease the audience member tom brady with oh okay well here's here's something i, I were actually working on this very morning so uh as within the story of our show uh there happened an occasion where my character had to tell a story within the story and he wrote his own fable his own twisted fucked up fable because he's he's evil uh but anyway so we've decided to turn that fable into a children's book for adults um that uh sean my older brother is illustrating and we're gonna put it out like a reading rainbow thing so i did the rough draft of the Reading Rainbow version of it, the audio version where I composed music along with it. So this the is the Farmer and the Two Faced. The very beginning. Story by Keith Varney. Illustration. That's me. By Sean Varney. Once upon a time, there was an honest farmer who worked hard to provide for his family by working for the local lord. Each year, the lord would promise to pay him a sack of gold at the end of the harvest. But as each fall came, the Lord would tell the farmer that he could not pay him that year. But promise. Anyway, so it starts starts off like that and then goes horribly, horribly wrong, as you might imagine. Is there murder involved? I can't. I no spoilers. Well, then we might as well talk about a murder taking place, airing November twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. Yes. So what was going on? Uh, in the world 
1997 that uh, I'll tell you the top movie was Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Well, speaking of murder. Speaking of murder, which put in uh, $16.7 million, the top song continued to be Candle in the Wind by Elton John, which I I think I'm just not going to play a clip. I'm just going to ask you to sing a little bit of it for us. Like a candle in the wind, (laughs) never knowing where the rain went when it got rainy. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's exactly how it goes. You're welcome, Princess Di. (laughs) And... Uh, the uh, cover of the Burlington Free Press talks about a, know, yeah. a frat accused of racist hazing. Oh, Jesus. Which is ugly. Uh, yeah. I mean, the University of Vermont, which I've talked about a little bit. We used to go to the hockey games. My father worked there. It was also the number one party school in America, ranked at about oh. that time. So it got a little rough around the edges, and apparently it also got racist. So, uh, if you think that just because you're in Vermont, you can't have it, you sure can. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah. Well, Keith, in a story in New York, it was cold, man. (laughs) Oh, I got it. Great, great. Well, okay. Well, uh, hopefully you skipped through all that nonsense, and we're going to talk about the darn episode. This is The Practice, Season 2, Episode 10, The Spirit of America. It was written by now-veteran, non-David E. Kelly writer on the show, Ed Redlick, and it was directed by veteran director Michael Schultz, both of them on their third episode. Let's get into it. Wow. Well, we forgot a new segment, Keith. Oh, what's the new segment? (coughs) What does Mike think is gonna happen? You're supposed to do the jingle. All right, you just yeah, sing actually, it every time. I, I, actually, I actually, no, I actually started uh, putting it to record, but um, the TV thing came, so I, I, I dropped it, and I know you gave me homework. Uh, we're also recording this like mere days after. Do you know Keith? Yes. Uh, we put out our episode a week late this week, and uh, a I day mean a late. day a day late, and uh, in only three days, it is one of our highest listened to episodes. I, I think we, it's really building the anticipation. Yeah, I think that, that extra day really did it. Uh, anywho, uh, for the first time, see, like we mentioned before, I don't, I don't watch the episodes in advance, but I do have to queue them up on the Hulu so that we can watch them during the episode. And as I was queuing this one up, usually what I do is I watch the previously on so that I can pause it and then start right at the, when the episode starts when we get there. But today, no previously on once again. I got a splash title screen. Splash title screen, which we're going to have to read to you because yeah. you won't be able to hear it. No, I should I should do it like John Larroquette, who, did you know, read the opening thing on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I did not know that. That's but he did, John Larroquette talking. I, John Larroquette, the uh, admitted murderer on the practice, who got away with it. Who got away with it. Joey Herrick. Why do I know that off the top of my head? I'm I such a nerd. Know, but why don't you go ahead and read this splash screen for everyone? I will. On September 23rd, 1990, the body of a 19-year-old Jennifer Carson was discovered in the woods near her home in Redland Hills. Three weeks later, Randall DeWitt Jefferson was arrested and charged with her murder. Is that it? Well, I have to wait for the next screen. Oh, it was I, just giving us some time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, I'll do this one. He was conv- Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't plan anything, do we? 
he was convicted of homicide with special circumstances and sentenced to death. His new lawyers have 18 hours to stop his execution. I'm guessing that's it. I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready if, it, if another screen comes up. We're waiting. Excuse me, sir. Nope. Episode starting. Here we go. So, uh, you know what? Because we missed an episode last week, we're not going to run an ad this week. Uh, we're going right yep. into the episode. And yes, we are. I want, my de- I want my 10 cents. Right to an okay, I'll put it in the beginning. All right. Period. You take a life, as far as I'm concerned, you have no rights. You give them the weight rooms, the TV sets, you know, the cable TV, right? So no thanks. It's an eye for an eye, not an eye for HBO. It's a little barbaric, isn't it? So there's... This talking is an, directly to the camera, yeah. Yeah, it looks like we're. this is an entirely different style. Super different style, yes. It's almost, this is a terrible comparison, but it's almost uh, office style. We're doing like a documentary type of setup. Funny you say that. Isn't it? I mean, it's just vengeance, right? Did you hear about the execution of Randall Jefferson tomorrow night? Tomorrow night? No, I didn't hear that. What do you do? They say he murdered a 19-year-old girl. Priam. Priam all. Okay. I believe this man deserves everything he gets for what he did to that girl. And her parents? My gosh. To lose a child? There's nothing worse than that. I think about what Jan... So, this is she be doing. a documentary we'll get over that. that we're watching. And we just saw a boom Maybe in the shot tomorrow. intentionally to let us know that. If they really do it this time. You don't think the execution will actually take place? Man's had three dates come and go already. Now I hear he's got some new lawyers, some out-of-state lawyers. I don't Uh-oh. understand who would do a job like that. I mean, what who kind indeed, Keith? Who indeed would like defend Andy this Jefferson? murder? You got water pressure in your room? We're Jimmy Berlucci! Where they put you Belucci. up like... Uh, <laughs> you got all of the names wrong. <laughs> Did I call him Jimmy Belushi? Belu- you said Bel- Berlucci. <laughs> it's like he runs an Olive Garden competitor. Yeah, well, you know, his his, his best customer is uh, is McDonald, is Bobby McDonald. Keith, do you want to play a game called Loaded Question? Yes. So, Keith, here we are. Clearly, we're talking about the death penalty. Yes. I need you in 30 seconds or less to summate your entire opinion on the death penalty. Okay, my entire opinion on the death penalty. Yeah, well, when I was a kid, I thought it made sense until I really thought more about it and i realized the impossibility of being absolutely certain you have the right person plus i think us as a society we're we're just better than execution i don't think it i don't think that's justice i think it's uh vengeance so i am i am firmly against the death penalty the four seasons the ramada actually i realize that but our position is the man did not receive you guys this has been Soapbox with Keith Varney. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure over here. We believe it's important. Jimmy, we yeah. need well, that index. I got no we believe it's important for the governor. Okay, so stop it right himself. there. So what we have heard from Jimmy Berlucci, apparently, thus far, <laughs> is that his hotel room does not have flush power. So let's really think through the implications of that. So we have a huge Jimmy turd he can't flush, and he just announced it to the entire world on this documentary. <laughs> That uh, ties in perfectly with last week's episode, it's all sure. about someone holding a shit for weeks. It sure did. Well, he did not. No, he could not. Oh, before. 
I understand. There's the flush. You're fine. It's I okay know in that, here, man. What I'm saying is, <laughs> you know, yeah. I can't believe Jimmy, it. Jimmy, so. will you knock it off in there? I got the background <laughs> for the cardboard here. <sighs> Hello. I think what I love most about this show is the tonal consistency in any given episode. Now they won't personally, but he may, and they stress Truly. may attend the clemency here. Wait, they assured us that he'd meet. His office says he'll take the cardboard ruling on the advisory. You shouldn't use the minibar. Jimmy, do you mind? Fifty for chips. I mean, I saw that. Okay, let's just let's just settle this. Big cheese. You know, this documentary style really gives them the opportunity to do what they excel at most, which is all talk over each other and stand in the same frame. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> stand really yeah, close to each other and speak about different things. Everybody, everybody, everybody just shut up, please. That was weird sound as well. Did you notice that when uh, Lindsay just dialed the phone there, we actually heard the beep, 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 which yeah. we, we wouldn't have heard because it would have been only through the receiver. Well, except for here, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna fix this for you. I'm okay. gonna fix the the problem in it. For the documentary, she's wearing a lav mic, so and the phone is right up at her collar. So there's a chance she might have heard it through the heard it through the receiver in the lav mic. Yeah, I fixed it. Take a look at this. Randall Jefferson, convicted in the 1988 murder of Richmond co-ed Jennifer Carson, is set to die by lethal injection just after midnight tonight. Robert Donnell, Jefferson's attorney, arrived here this morning from Boston, and Channel 3's Elizabeth Knox was there. No, I, I don't think it's over by any means. Governor Benning has assured us that he will personally attend the clemency hearing, and I have confidence he'll see that my client did not receive a fair trial, that's all. Meanwhile, at Cedar Springs Correctional Facility, only yards away from the room where he is set to die, Randall Jefferson can only wait. I was ready to make fun of this documentary style, but I'm digging it. Right? It's a terrific setup. It's a great setup. I'm pretty riveted. And it's 16 hours. We've got a ticking clock. And what they've framed for us thus far, which I kind of like, is in the past few episodes, we've been once again struggling with how can you guys possibly do this? How can you possibly defend these type of baddies? I mean, here, they're, that's sort of thus far the question they've posed, right? What kind of people would defend this murderer who is about to be brought to justice? Right. Who may or may not be a murderer, and, and you also might have a different opinion on whether or not, even if he was, he should be executed. Yeah, well, they did a good job in the setup there already, I yes. think, in, in showing that public opinion, they'll just say somebody's guilty. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So what we're seeing here is that they're putting the credits that would normally go over the episode just on a black screen ahead of time so as not to break the illusion of the documentary. You reloaded? Is this a one-off, or Rolling? is this going to be an arc, this story? Okay, here we go. It's a one-off. Mark it. You know, wait a second. Smack uh, dab Bobby, in the middle of the second season. Interesting. Uh, no. Um, go ahead. Ask your questions. Okay, just a little bit on, on how you got here. Just background on Randy. Uh, okay, uh, he's been on death row six and a half years. That's that's pretty much right, I think. His first lawyer missed the deadline for filing habeas. Took took three years just to reach federal court. Have you been with him the whole six and a half years? About a week. The fact is, Randy had no lawyer for two years. About a third of the guys on death row don't. The Capital Defenders Project monitors who's up next, and they asked us in. Hey, Bobby, we gotta go. Clemency hearing starts in 40 minutes. How do the other lawyers feel I imagine about blocking down? scenes like this is, is challenging. Get out of my face. 
Yeah, Peck with the documentary. Although, to the left, try to direct as much as you with can the documentary to him. Lopez will be in the center. Like, his sister was carjacked last smooth. year, so keep clear. What about the attorney? No, but you don't get as many cuts, you know. He'll go first, right. and he'll be good. That's true. He not a lot only more tried the case, but he got elected AG by promising to pull the switch himself. The governor's not going to make it. He's judging a four-rig show in Dinwiddie. Oh, that's not good. Hey, hey no pistol out of here. Making a documentary. Is that right? Yeah, we talked to Tom Edgar. Here it is. Lots of really tight shots. Here we go. Mm -hmm. That's nothing new. These give you some idea of the brutality. The slashes on the arm. She tried to defend herself, but the blows kept on coming. Yikes. There has been no show of remorse. We just saw no her regret, horribly stabbed Not even body. an acknowledgement by Mr. Jefferson that he even did this. Let's be clear here. I don't celebrate the death penalty. It should be used to punish only the most brutally cold-hearted killers. We should stop. Randy Jefferson. I know that lawyer from somewhere. Okay, so the DA arguing that this man should be killed is none other than Bruce French, who you would know from such things as Mission Possible 2, Fletch, the movie Christine. He was on the West Wing. He frequently plays clergy. He will play two more characters on the practice. And don't worry, on Enterprise, he was a Vulcan ed elder. And he was also in the movie Star Trek Insurrection and was in the pilot of Star Trek Voyager and in the Next Generation he played he played Sabina Genestra. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. The line must be drawn here. This far no farther. No farther. Keith in this frozen frame here that no one can see, uh, is that John Walsh of America's most wanted fame? Oh boy, it sure looks like him. Also, for that one listener, yeah, you, I'm talking to you. I heard you roll your eyes at the movie Fletch. And I want you to know Fletch is awesome. So. <laughs> oh, oh, the guy behind what looks to be John Walsh looks like Brian Dennehy, and it's not. That is definitely not Brian Dennehy. So it that, could be a fake Dennehy, fake Walsh, or a real Walsh, fake Dennehy. Mm. Randy Jefferson's trial lasted three days. Three I don't know that days. John Walsh was doing, like, guest cameras. The only testimony against him came from a convicted felon who said Randy made a jailhouse or. confession to him. Only there was and who only gave this testimony after the prosecution of offered to reduce his sentence. No weapon, no other forensic Mr. evidence. Mr. Donald, he was convicted. Are you here to retry him? I'm here to emphasize that the trial lasted three days with a lawyer who called only one witness and spoke for just two minutes at the penalty phase. We have medical records never entered as evidence documenting a pattern of a... Time out. This is a new segment called Mike Wasn't Paying Attention. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, the, the conviction was in 1990, correct? Yes, yes. And the he, Bobby just has only been on the case for a week. Yes. But this is 1997. We are in real time. That's right, yes. Or 96, you know, within the... okay. Abuse at the hands of a stepfather. If you're suggesting ineffective assistance of counsel... The Ladies and gentlemen, this just in. That is not John Walsh. The United yeah, States clearly. Supreme Court has already rejected that claim. Well, not on merits. The court found that he had not raised the issue in a timely fashion. So you're asking us to second-guess the Supreme Court? Look. A man is waiting to die here. And the truth is, you may be his last hope. All I'm asking is that you look at the process that condemned him. And ask yourself, was it conducted fairly? 
14 minutes. They could have at least pretended to discuss it. The governor yeah. can still override it. Oh, there's some hope. They're fighting an uphill battle here, Keith. Someone's got to tell sure Randy. Are. No, 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 no. It's, it's just a recommendation. He can still grant you a pardon. And, and, and we hear that the governor has taken a very strong interest in your case, Randy. I'll tell you what. Um, I'm on my way out there now, and I'll, I'll talk to you soon, okay? Uh, okay, great. Lindsay, where are we? Still holding. We can't get into federal court until we hear from State Supreme. They're going to ding us pretty quick, so let's be ready. Jimmy, I need you with me. I thought I was with Eugene. That was then. If things start getting crazy, I'm going to need someone. Jimmy, like flush the goddamn toilet and let's go. Can we go. talk about this, like, uh, privately? <laughs> I mean, you know my feelings. I knew this would happen. Uh, Lindsay, I'm entitled to my feelings. Jimmy, you I, I understand your feelings, but I need you. Yeah, but actually, you don't understand. I'm, it's just that I'm not comfortable with certain aspects. The man's on death row for a crime he possibly They haven't explained why they are filming a documentary, what just aspects? that it's happening. Aspects like that. Yeah. I keep thinking about that young girl who got left on the side of the road. That's why he's on death row. No, he's on death row because he's a poor man. Stop it. No, I don't know. Stop it, all of you. That's enough. You two, shut it off. See, this seems I out of character Bobby's for Jimmy. Position. This isn't a question of guilt or innocence. It's a question of fairness. Uh, obviously, that's why we're here. I mean, that's why I'm a lawyer, to see that justice is done. Like, Jimmy doesn't but seem like the bloodthirsty one in the office. I don't see the right. justice in a young girl having her life snuffed out and the bozo who did it getting to wake up every morning to bacon and eggs on my dime and your dime. You sound angry. Well, maybe I am. It makes me angry when people treat this guy like he's some kind of saint just because he's going to die tomorrow. I mean, we all die. That girl died. Then again, you know, he was all okay. up in arms about the people Good. who got cancer, even though the case wasn't winnable. So it seems like maybe you she thinks he's on a high horse no right Well, it's like he's, he's usually the guy who roots for the underdog. What's going on, boys? I'm making a documentary. On my watch, they're not. It's okay, Billy. They got clearance. Yeah? Y'all gonna show the whole thing right up the cocktail hour? Funny. Let me see my client. Guess you found oh. your way. Open her up, Bill. I'll take it from here. Yes, sir, Warden. Steve Langston. Good to meet you. Now, gentlemen, if you're ready, let's go meet our friend. Warden! Prison boss? <laughs> you're not just coming up with synonyms. <laughs> That is John P. Connolly, who uh, you would know from Nine and a Half Weeks. Remember that movie? Love that movie. I don't think I've ever seen it, but I remember like when I was 12 and 13 looking at the cover and like, man, I wish I was allowed to watch this. I bet it's going to be amazing. Uh, you know what? Just yeah. kidding. I'm thinking of the movie Nine Months with good old Tom, <laughs> Tom Arnold. <laughs> No, no, nine and a half weeks. This is like Kim Basinger and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. and what's his nuts Looney Tune. It's basically just porn. <laughs> totally different but, movies and synopses. Yeah, very different movie. Very different movie. Um, <laughs> so he was in that. He was also on The West Wing, and he played Orlata in True Q on TNG. Which, if you're a Star Trek person, you know what any of that means. If you're not, that was just a bunch of word salad. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Close up of the guy hitting the button to close and open the door. I mean, it looks cool. Cedar Springs Prison, death row, 11:28 a.m. Guy with a mullet. Believe me, it's nothing 
father and I have had children. Jimmy's walking through nervously. Open it! Opening gate! Open it! So this is our first look at the perp. Or our client this week. Man, Bobby Donald. Nice to finally meet you in person. You too. This is my associate, James Berluti. He'll be with you the rest of the day. So, whatever you need. Yeah, right. Whatever. Yes, He's about to die. <laughs> well, you're really bringing your A game and today. We're not huh? sure why. <laughs> but Berlucci might cry. But Berlucci might cry. What if Berlucci's that... like, yo, can I? Are you using that toilet? <laughs> How's that flush? Is it flush okay? <laughs> flush power. <laughs> this accused murderer is Marcelo Thedford, uh, who you might re- remember from the movie Volcano. Crimson Tide. Crimson Sons Tide. Of, Crimson Tide. Sons of Anarchy and also ER. But no Star Trek. Sorry, guys. No more Star Trek Q. You know, I really want to like Sons of Anarchy, and I've tried multiple times. Have you? I just... It just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I... I I tried, too. Like, I watched the first, like, four or five episodes, and it was not that it wasn't good. It was good. I just never got back to it. Yeah. I, 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 I think I, I feel like you feel. Like, I'm gonna, gonna do this someday. Yeah, I just, I, motorcycle stuff does not rev my engine. Boo. Well, folks, uh, so call in. Tell us morning. whether or not we should right now, watch Sons of Anarchy. Who, who are they calling? But whatever they say, we move directly uh-huh. into federal court. We have some good issues. Okay, sounds good. And you know the governor can always grant you a pardon on his own. Yeah, I know that. What about you? You all right? I got my mom's, some family coming. Uh, they had a problem. They couldn't find out the visiting times. I'll fix it. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh, this poor what guy. What do you mean, test the equipment? I mean, they test it. Yeah. Make sure it all works. I want you there. If anything malfunctions or even looks shaky, that's something else we can argue. That sounds a little desperate, Bob. Like we're not desperate? Remember the guy in Florida, defective electric chair, uh, barbecue his head? If anything goes wrong with the equipment, how they handle it, anything at all, we might have Eighth Amendment grounds. You'll be there, right? So we have a record? Yep. Just keeps getting better and better. Just do it, Jimmy. Jimmy, shut the fuck up. It's lethal injection. What could go wrong with it? Well, it's weird. Like, I understand it from a dramatic standpoint, like writing the episode, having Jimmy be the babysitter. Uh, but it's a strange choice in real life. So now we're at the execution chamber yeah, watching, the, I guess, the dress rehearsal. Get a physical. Yep. Hey, you ticklish? All right, I got pressure. Pick an arm, any arm. Oh, this one's taped. How you doing? Starting the saline. Uh, Just doing tech. I think uh, Jimmy's affected by this for sure. I don't feel so good. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> Watching the entire uh, process of setting up a lethal injection. Don't go anywhere. And the guys are not doing it with any sort of grace. They're kind of <laughs> joking around and shit. Right. Preparations continue here. I think that got to Jimmy a little bit there, Keith. Murderer I think it might have. Just minutes ago, the state Supreme Court dismissed his last series of appeals. That means his lawyers will now have to race off to federal court. But for now, preparations continue. Okay, here we go. District court names are the top court of the... 
I actually watched a real documentary on this guy who was uh, uh, about, about to be executed. I think it was called Into the Darkness or something oh, like sure. that. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's very yeah. famous. Yeah, it, uh, it'll fuck you up. And, and like you were saying earlier, like whether you are a proponent of the death penalty or not, uh, the sort of the human drama of those last few hours of a, of a person's life going through that is if it doesn't affect you, then you're, uh, you're, you've got a better check on your emotions. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, it, it, I think that's where it really turns like out outside of the, like, how can you be absolutely certain, which you just never can. And, and there's, we find out about stuff. We getting it, getting it wrong. 50 years later, there's, right. we just like, you can just never be absolutely certain when you really get down to it when you watch it, when you see it, like it's really hard to avoid the barbarism of it. Well, even in this day and age where you'd think, oh, we've come so far with technology, right? But it's not, but within the last year where the cocktail that they they used to execute people really, really tortured someone. And, yeah. you know, there's a whole, these, hum, the, you know, it is in our constitution that you have to have, you can't have unjust and inhumane Treatment. Cruel and unusual, yeah. You know, and that goes to the way that you put someone to death, too. So, uh, you know, it's... Un- like many things, Keith, people try to boil it down to very black and white, yes or no. But yeah. uh, as, as we know, gray area is is the, sh- the sheer fabric of our existence. Especially on this show, since it's basically black and white. Yeah. Appeals at the bottom. I've starred the Reagan appointees. I should have crossed them off. Fax numbers, home phones, reversal rates. Are you sure we can get around the new habeas restriction? It's not really habeas. We're asking for a hearing based on evidence not available to the trial court. Of course, it'd be nice if we had some new evidence. Where are we on ineffective assistance? Affidavits from two clerks uh, saying his first lawyer basically said passive through most of the trial. In fact, it seemed to bother no one. I just got off the phone with Franklin Walters, the judge from the original trial. He's willing to say that if he would have known about the abuse in Randy's past, he would have used his discretion to convert the death sentence into life without parole. He's faxing it over right now. Well, that's something. What about that jury? That matters. It won't fly. Under McCleskey, we'd still have to show specific discrimination in this case. That that jailhouse witness, Duggar, the one who claimed Randy confessed. Remember him? Interestingly, a real documentary crew would never shoot like this. And Frank Duggar gave a few interviews around the time. Can can we just address what Bobby just said? So we have learned by this point that this guy was only convicted based... The only evidence they had was the supposed jailhouse confession that his cellmate said he confessed to this murder. So that is the only evidence this guy was convicted on. And the quote that Bobby just said, it's like, Hey, does anybody remember that guy who, uh, who testified against him? Yes, Bobby. Hopefully you remember the only piece of evidence against your guy in the entire case. Oh, like, uh, hey, hey, remember, remember that, uh, remember that knife that was used to kill the person? Remember, remember the videotape that showed the guy doing it? (laughs) Yeah, there's no question. I heard what I heard. The man told me he killed that girl. I took that test they gave me, so you know I'm not lying. Test? Like in a polygraph test? A lie detector? Who gave him a lie detector? And why is it on the record? What's our deadline to file outside? 6.30 at the latest, maybe 7 to a pen. Okay, that gives us six hours. Let's find Duggar, see what he meant, first of all. Was there a polygraph? What was the result? And what the hell happened to it? Lindsay. Let's find a way to leak this thing. Maybe get Walgren to play a card. And that first lawyer, Cooperman. Eugene, do a flyby CP waves. That's it. Let's go. We heard about your appeal um, being turned down. So, all right. Didn't surprise you. I guess that's the producer of the documentary. Well, as I see it, yeah. people done made up their minds. All the appeals, motions, boards, whatnot. 
people want to believe something, that's what they're going to do. Can't change that. You're trying six years, three months, 26 days. It's tired of it. They want me? I read it. Uh, your lawyer, Bobby Donald, uh, he seems to think you've still got a ways to go. That's what he says. I don't know. I'm just here, but I'm ready. But they want me. Um, what are you reading? Gives Book of World Records. So many things in here, strange things. I used to think I get out, see everything, do everything. Rock cars, rocket cars. Yeah, I like those <laughs> rock cars. But now, um, maybe I'm just in a a mood, but this guy's stoic performance is fucking riveting to me. It's terrific. No, he's doing a really good job. And I also, this, the the Guinness Book of World Records thing that he's talking about, I think it's such a, a, a beautiful, specific touch written into this. I think it's just tremendous writing to have that level of specificity. And it's like, it's not really tied to anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, just it, very it's such sweet. a trap. Usually, you know, a lesser show, it would be something really cliche. You know, right, 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 right. It's like poetry, Walt Whitman, or you know, something, some sort of really deep dive. But this, you know, he's just for a guy who's been in prison, thinking of like, what's life? What are these weird, strange things happening outside these walls? What a cool! I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a cool little touch. Now I'm strong. I made my peace. You know. Yeah. I was ready. Just, again, subtle, not doing too What's much. What's the difference between a polygraph and a light And like we talked about last polygraph week, giving the actor time, okay, so which a lot of times on, on primetime television, so they're so they cut for time that they, they don't are, get those like, long beats. The prosecution took a polygraph, yep. and the result in any way suggested Randy's innocence. And also restrained the not having a bunch of cheesy music. They did in this prosecutorial Have there been any scoring thus far? If they did, and the defense ignored it, well, then that's ineffective assistance of counsel. And that's enough for a stay of execution? Ten years ago, with Brennan and Blackman and Marshall, even money today. Eugene, what's your impression of Randy Jefferson? I don't really know him. That's not the point. Who or what he is. Remember maps, Keith? <laughs> right. <laughs> Printing out those MapQuest directions? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that was after we had MapQuest. Yeah, that I was mean, big. It used to be just the map you had in the back of the car. What was your best choice? Those your big maps. I remember my dad having. I was like, why are they so big? Well, they need to be. They're, you know. This is beside the point. What he is is black, among other things. There's a point to that. So this is a question of race with you. The death penalty is about race. The fact is, if you're a person of color and you kill a white man in this country, or God forbid you do what they say Randy Jefferson did and kill a white girl, you are 12 times more likely to end up on death row than a white man for killing a black person. Well, uh, I'm, I'm sure that's true. There's no way they would have put that stat on there yeah. if it wasn't true at the time. If only he knows that in 2019, we've solved systemic racism in the prison system. Yay! But now that's something you can actually argue with. 12 times more likely nope. to end up on death row. Can't See, now that is another good reason to be against it. I'm looking for Tommy Cooperman. He's with a client, but what is this? They can't come in here. You can't come in here. Mr. Cooperman! Mr. Sir, Tommy Cooperman! you can't do this! I Jane had no questions about Randy no Jefferson. Wait a minute, hold on. This is my office. I don't have to talk to you. Sharon, call Mitchell. No, call the police. He may be executed tonight. 
Look, I told you on the phone that was a long time ago. It's over. I'll come back. No, hold on. guys. <laughs> that was a client. Cooperman, I have a client who may be dead tomorrow. This is That's his old lawyer. Look, what do you want from me? I'm sorry about Randy. I did what I could. I'm not here to blame you. I need 10 minutes of your time to help save a man who may be innocent. You got 10 minutes? Well, since you've got this camera crew here, I guess I'm going to say yes. Oh, the flush power is Someone great. Someone else's flush power and... You, uh, okay in there? Yeah? You need anything? Cup of coffee? Okay, then, uh, I'm gonna go make a few phone calls. Stay on top of things. You sure you're okay? That's fine. Then, uh, I'll see you then. He also, I think it's a great casting choice because he's just sort of, his... His just aura has a lot of empathy in it. Yeah. Yeah, and no, uh, he's a very, like, sweet-looking guy. You know, it, his performance is reminding me a lot of... Oh, man, what's his name? My- Michael Duncan? He was in The Green Mile? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It's a very similar sort of portrayal. Did you ever have an operation in the hospital, I mean? No. Actually, I'm, uh, I haven't. I had my appendix out when I was 13. And they put a mask over your face and tell you to count backwards from ten. And then nothing. That's how this goes. Fast. Except he'll never wake up. Bobby says not a fair trial. Okay, I think it's worth a look. Or two or three. But the way I read it, they pin the guy. He's guilty, well- he pays the price. Yeah, see, again, storytelling-wise, I get what they're doing here, having Jimmy be certain. But the evidence is terrible. Yeah. There's no forensics. It's literally just a jailhouse confession by somebody trying to get a better plea. Like, Jimmy's... And Jimmy's usually the guy who wants to go a couple layers deeper, right? He's always pulling up those obscure laws and stuff, so... Yeah, he's he's the guy who is always... As of 11.30 this morning, the state Supreme Court has denied Mr. Jefferson's latest appeal. My office is filed in federal district court, and we are confident they will uphold that ruling. Now watch the shot, Jack. Why are the photographers, the says even though he was still photographers, he was 100 yards away? With telephoto lenses? With telephoto lenses. I mean, it's so they can be in the shot here, and it looks cool, but it makes no sense if you really think about the layout of the room. Yeah, there's nobody there. Right. Exit 8. Got it. Thanks a lot. Why is, Jim, okay. why is Bobby that talking the so loud? Officer. There's a press conference him. going on. Duggar works at some burger joint <laughs> off I-70. I'll head out there after. Uh, we're just getting started here. Um, I don't know when I'm going to be done. I'll get Eugene. How you guys holding up? Yeah, me too. You know, uh, speak, uh, along those technical lines, we've been listening to these episodes with headphones on, <clears throat> and I'm I'm amazed at... How intricate there is, how intricate the soundscaping and the panning on these old television shows are, because we're watching them through such shitty TVs. No way you got any of this sort of stereo mix. No, and that's that's a really good point. And again, like my family can speak to this uh, because they were, you know, Jim started work on Star Trek ten years before this, Jeez. and the level of detail and layers and intricacy that he put into that show. I mean, it's, you know, they basically 
edited the sounds like it was a movie. Hmm. And, you know, it's, it, it wasn't full six channel, but it was pretty much set up for it. And, like, the extraordinary, extraordinary amount of work and detail that goes into the sounds on these shows, like, they, you know, they, a single 10 second shot could take them hours. And that's, you know, obviously that's a sci fi uh, thing. So you're creating sounds that don't exist in the real world. But they put a lot of work into this. We should have Sean on the show and talk about it someday. Yeah, because I, I'd love to pick his brain about, like, what an underappreciated art form. Still, you know, people... Profoundly. The people, you know, myself included, we buy these incredible 4K TVs, the HDR. We want to get the most visual fidelity. We, you know, we go to the... Make sure we get the IMAX screen when we go to the movies. A lot of times, you I'd, you want to go find yourself a Dolby Atmos theater or a place where you can experience some of the sound design because it's incredible. And then oh. we bring it home and most people listen through like a shitty little sound bar at best. No, you're totally right. In fact, I remember when... Uh I think it was Star Trek Generations, or it could have been, I think it was Generations came out um, that, you know, my uncle worked on. I think Sean did too, I don't remember. Uh, and uh, so it came out in the theaters, and we couldn't find a theater in Burlington, Vermont, that even had stereo. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. And he's like, what the fuck? I just did this huge amount of work, and we can barely find a place that has halfway like even stereo it's craziness i mean it's much much better now than it was back then but i remember that being like a thing yes alice is the fifth circuit considering you know lo love or hate the star what's happened to star wars but when they re when they went to the prequels i guess is episodes one two and three that's i remember in my town at least that's when every movie theater was refit with yeah. 7.1 channel sound, you know? True, true, yeah. Anything not raised in state court? No, there are no new issues. This case has been litigated for seven years. This poor man's life is in the balance and we're talking about sound. <laughs> it's almost over. Excuse me, Mr. Walgren. Mr. Donald? We have information that a witness, Frank Duggar, may have been given a lie detector test by your office prior to his Ballsy, testifying Bobby. against Randy Jefferson. Do you have a comment? <laughs> Interrupting a press conference? That is absolutely ridiculous. I will say this, Mr. Donald. Mr. Duggar came forward voluntarily with his testimony. Based solely on the specificity and detail of that statement, my office concluded we had a credible witness. Mr. Mr. Walker, Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. We have a piece of evidence which Mr. Duggar did a lie detector test. We all authorized it. Although, it should be said, I, I can't even count the amount of studies that I've read. Actually, I've read zero, but I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't count them because you can't count zero right but the truth i think it is a scientific fact at this point correct me if i'm wrong because i might be it very well might be but we've i think we've proven over and over again that polygraph tests are bullshit right well they certainly don't hold up in court right and they and they they address that here but if it was inconclusive they should have known that the defense counsel should have known i'm looking for frank duncan So we have tracked down the guy, the snitch. So it's time for... Who's snitch? Who's bitch who's gonna get a stitch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, right? Bitches, stitches are bitches who get stitches. Ah, uh, fair enough. Okay.
Uh, so this, uh, the guy we're about to hear from is Cyrus Farmer, who you might know from The Wire, Oz, yeah. or NYPD Blue. He did some real fine television. Man, cutting edge. Oz was, Oz is awesome. Yeah, for sure. Well, The Wire me. Oh, yeah, it's what I said. Whatever's there, that's what I said. Well, Frank, you've said a lot of things over the years. A man killed her. Looked me right in the eyes and told me so. Told me how he stabbed her. And you took it upon yourself to inform the district attorney. I had to. You hear something like that? I was losing sleep. And the DA Walgren, he accepted your story? Yeah. So? It didn't bother anybody that people you share cells with have a funny habit of confessing. Hey, I'm a good listener. When you came forward with Randy Jefferson's confession, did the DA give you a lie detector test? What? You didn't flub well, his words the there, and they just kind of were like, you know what, you keep going. You keep read going. a lot of things in the paper. Did they give you a test? I don't recall. You don't recall. Yeah. Frank, man is about to die, and if you in any way responsible, I will never go away. You know how long never is? Not in front of them. Yeah, I like that he keeps cutting, taking to the camera. Yeah. So what's it like? It is like the office. It's like the air getting tighter. Heating up. Like you want to rip off your clothes, but it ain't your clothes, it's everything. It's just what it's like. People say it's justice for the road. A lot of toilet flushing in this episode. Just, well, I'd be and nervous if I was waiting, on the yeah. No, they row. won't kill you. They want to kill you. One day they're going to do it. What state are we in here? Maybe Randy's dying Virginia, tonight, I think. you know, but really. All of us, we're already dead. Another good restrained monologue. They're asking a lot of Jimmy here. thereabouts will initiate the preparation As an protocol. Yeah. Fitting Jefferson to the table itself, attaching monitor cables into Venus to it, etc. At 11.55, we'll do the final rundown, and I issue the execution order. Uh, at that point, we also uh, seat the witnesses in the viewing area. At exactly one minute past the hour at 12, technician initiates flow of sodium pentothal. That's a barbiturate, puts them to sleep. And after that, uh, pan-chromium bromide and potassium chloride are administered in lethal concentrations, and that is it. I don't see any uh, complications. Of course, you never know. Uh, how, how do you mean? Well, uh, no system is foolproof, particularly when it comes to the ending of human life. Uh, mm. Life you is know tenacious. What? We should I stop hope, here I because I just realized, and this drives me nuts every time people talk about the Star Trek sound, we just did that whole big monologue. We didn't give credit to the people doing it. Uh, Let's, you know what? Very fair. Uh, the very supervising fair. sound editor is Christopher B. Reeves, the uh, which is which is what Jim's job was. The sound editor, the dialogue editor is Masik Malish. Production sound mixer is Clark King. The re-recording mixers are Harry Andrus and Kurt uh, Kasolki. And the ADR editor, though uncredited, is Daniel Tripoli. And the re-recording mixer is David John West. Keith, let's take a moment. Thank you. I think that's uh, our hats off to the technical sound team, which we just uh, set lauded praise upon. But for, we've mentioned it in, a, in a, a variety of episodes. So I was wondering if you could just explain to the audience who might be interested, what is ADR? ADR mm. is basically uh, 
re-recorded dialogue. So if uh, if either like the the sound that they got on the set wasn't that good, or the actor flubbed the line a little bit, or if they want to change the line, it's basically um, they'll put up a big screen in front. They'll have the actor come back in and redo the dialogue. Um, uh, re- redo the dialogue matched with what's on the screen. Um, and in fact, <laughs> in fact, the 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 Star Trek cue that I used this far, no further, is from a speech that Picard does in um, Star Trek First Contact that Jim specifically remembers they had to go back in and ADR that whole speech because the per- he could, the performance was a little off. Because he went a little, he went he went bigger than what ended up being on the uh, in the actual ADR. So Patrick Stewart had to go back into a room and redo the lines matching the video, and thus creating ADR. Sorry, uh, this is where I have to leave you. Mr. Carson, Get off sir. my porch, uh, sir. If you just have a minute, we no, have we to... don't have a minute. We don't have any more time for you people. It's all right, honey. They're leaving. Okay, Mr. Carson. We, we don't you didn't have to tell me the victim's that you were family. talking to Randy Jefferson. Yes. Uh, yes, we did. What are you trying to do? Make him a cause? No, not at all. You're going to make a nice goodbye film for him? Hmm? Going to let the whole world see him as human? Well, my daughter didn't get to say goodbye. Nothing human about what he did to her. So our guy in death row is visiting his family. <laughs> or they're visiting him. <laughs> and Jimmy is watching Reader's Digest and being affected by the family. Want a few games? What an incredible shot that is. You know, they, yeah. uh, they, they open the scene, they're watching cartoons, and they're laughing, jovially, discussing some past memories. And then kind of collectively, but organically, they're sort of, the reality of the situation is is ebbing and flowing. It's really just really real and authentic. Yeah. They're just If you can't tell, uh, they're knocking the shit out of the park, in my opinion. No, they really are. And, like, a lot of credit go to Excuse Ed Redlick, who wrote it, and Michael Schultz, who di- directed it. Are you my son's lawyer? I'm uh, part of the team for your son. I love that they keep getting the boom in the shot. I just yeah. wanted to thank you for all the hard work on yeah. his behalf. Uh, it's nothing. Never believing in him all this time. I. Uh, you're welcome. Carl? Darius? That's Carl. It's Randy's brother. And Darius. Go shake the man's hand, Darius. Hey, Darius. And that's my mother. Come here, Mama. Just want this to be over with. We want to get on with our lives. Another great pan there. Uh, audio pan. Makes for good ratings. What? Yeah, that's the reason they took the business of justice out of the hands of the victims. Oh, I see. So they shouldn't be allowed to grieve? That's not what I mean. Yeah, well, what do you mean, Lindsay? I mean, if the governor sees that, we can't exactly expect the government to be objective these days. They just want some closure. Is that so hard for you to understand? Eleanor, I didn't mean it. I know what you mean. Okay. 
It's another episode of Eleanor and Lindsay bickering because they don't have big parts. Who administered the polygraph? And we're right back in this. This. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you'd finally get around to me. I got to tell you, your timing's a little shaky on this. Ah. All right. Look, my position, if you want to call it that, I usually prefer not to speak in absolutes, but. My position has changed somewhat over time. No, actually, I know exactly when my position changed. April 27th, 1991, when my very best friend let some guy into her walk-up on East 73rd Street in New York. Yeah, supposed to be this great neighborhood, right? And he, uh, he followed her upstairs, and he somehow got her up to the roof. And he, um, he stabbed her, and he killed her. Anyway, before uh, Lisa's death, I was fervently anti-death. I mean, loudly anti-death. I, I would have had bumper stickers on my car if I had a car. Wasn't that your band's name in high school, Keith? Loudly anti-death? But you know, when I think of Lisa, so frightened up on that roof, <clears throat> she wanted to have kids, you know? And then I think of him, the butt wipe that killed her, and how he must have smiled to have such a pretty girl up on that roof with him. Actually, my position hasn't changed. Do you think during the table read, Cameron was like, so guys, I'm really into this monologue. I'm really, I think I can bring it somewhere. I do have to object to the use of the term butt wipe. <laughs> it's really taken me out of the scene. Yeah. Oh, network TV. Of course, she's so giving it, say, as she uh, always does. I have a car now. Here's that tear. Drip, drip. No bumper stickers. Damn. Oh. Yeah, I, I, that's a fantastic monologue. And once again, right. fucking Cameron Mannheim just wiping the floor with America. It's cheating. In rejecting just cheating. Jefferson's she can do that at the drop plea, of a hat. Governor Benning said that I'm seeing it on the television. Just like that, huh? Thank God for so Bobby what? in this episode because it sounds to me like everybody on the team, with the exception of Bobby and Eugene, are like, put put this guy, hang this guy. Uh, you called Randy, right? I, I mean, uh, you told him, I hope, because uh, I'm not so good with bad news. Thanks. Listen, Bobby, I I'd like to get out of here now. Bobby, you know I get conflicted feelings. I'm trying to tell you, it's not comfortable. Yeah, and who else yeah. isn't comfortable? Right. The guy about to Jimmy? get executed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew I'd get this speech. Whatever. Yeah. Sure. Great shot. Jimmy is not getting a lot of lines this episode, but he's got quite the journey, huh? Yeah, well, I mean, it really is his episode. Close up of the perp, Jimmy's seeing him through the cell, or through the, uh, glass, getting his last meal, I guess. Yep. Chicken teriyaki with extra teriyaki sauce. Good choice. You like that Chinese food? Yep. Some strawberry ice cream. Some Twinkies. You like them one on top of the other, right? Yeah, that's the way I like them. 
And we got you some lobster. A lot of compassion by the guards. Yep. You ever had lobster before? When I was a kid. You know how to eat it? Keith, I gotta say it. I'm gonna say it. Yeah. We're watching a television show from tw- uh, 21, 20, 22 years 22 ago. years ago. And I am at, I'm probably three percentage points away from choking up here. Yeah. Thanks. It either says something about me or it says something about the show. Oh, a little bit of both. Watch out, Randy. Bite Good your things head about off. both. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Only your good stuff's inside. You gotta break it open. Usually you use like a pliers or something. Jimmy's helping him with the lobster. It's it. It's a beautiful moment. I think it's it's a little unbelievable. He doesn't Meat. know the meat's yeah. on the inside, but it's also possible that okay. Jimmy's just being well, dumb. And now you need some butter. It's no good without butter. Butter? Uh, you got any butter? And like a microwave. Still, I, I, I'll let that go. It's beautiful. It really is, yeah. Yeah. I mean, did we really truncate go for it. Jimmy's kind of big change of heart? The yes, most predictable change of heart of all time. Yeah, but... But still. You got an hour. So? You know? Yeah. You have 44 good, minutes. Huh? And with stakes this high, it's not completely, you know, out of the That's realm good. of how a person... No, works. no, of course not. Because he's... And we've established he's a compassionate person who Ms. just Rantos? might not have really... Hi, my name is Eleanor Frucht. I'm yeah. an attorney. And I was wondering if your security firm was using polygraph analysis seven years ago in the... Oakland I also area. really appreciate, you know, that we're dealing with all of these kind of emotional arcs and though they they're showing that the case was pretty fucked up they haven't overtly been like this guy didn't do it right you know what i mean that ambiguity i think plays to its favor as a kind of a really a human drama well because i because i think it's really the point here is that it doesn't matter like you know it it matters from the legal case but what we're trying to do here is show that people are people and deserve compassion yeah. I see. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. That's it. We're set to go. How much more time? None. You could say, Keith, that people like lobster, the good stuff's on the inside. This <laughs> clerk was expecting our and filing we're best 12 in melted ago. Bobby, we can't wait any longer. You don't have enough. With a fine I mean, don't you think the affidavit from Frank Duggar at least raises the question? They're not holding up this execution on the word of some ex-con. But they'll kill him based on his word. What about a temporary stay pending a review of Walgren's old files? Fishing. There has to be some record of that test. Five minutes, then we go what we have. Maybe we could get a subpoena, or we'll find a judge. I got it. I got it. And you conducted a test on Frank Duggar in the Randy Jefferson case. Uh-huh. I understand. I understand. No, no, no. I know. It was just internal. Yes. Uh, Mr. Gordon, would you be willing to sign a statement based on what you just told me? That would be great. Could you just hold on one second, please? Thank you. He says he remembers the test. He says that Duggar tested borderline and that he went to Walgren's office and told him all about it way back when and that he never responded. Walgren sat on it. That's it. Type something up. Lindsay, make the call. Tell him. Ten minutes. Can you believe this? Let's move. First time was by lottery. Hope. They got hope. I just felt so strongly that this man was deserving of death. And it's biblical. A life for a life. And if I felt that way, I wasn't going to stick my head in the sand. 
I was going to back it up by action. Oh boy. So when they made the lottery available, I signed up first thing and got picked. Simple, really. You just got to know how to handle the syringe and be steady about it. You aren't even in the room, so oh, there's this is the no guy who's going to do the injection of any kind. Yep. That's nine men you've executed. In, uh, He's how the executioner, literally. That would be just this year. But let me clear something up. I don't execute them. I just carry out a procedure. The state executes. The people do. I'm just a pair of willing hands. Be honest in the estimate of yourselves, measuring the value by how much faith God has given you. Oh, Grandpa. Father, Father, you have a phone call. Robert something, the oh, coalition to... Thanks, Nathan. You'll be okay back in a minute? You'll be okay? Sure. <clears throat> Man, I ain't so much that. 8-12. You want a or something? I just to take it easy. I mean, it takes time. It's a guy so fat wants to bury him in a piano case. Where'd you hear that? Book of World Records. Nice callback. Right over there. Yep. Well, I used to have one of these. So did I. Yeah, me too. Man, give me that. Everything's new in this book. Check that man out. That is a fat man. <laughs> 1,069 pounds. That ain't a record anymore, kids. This is America. I no box. Another toilet flush. How tall was the tallest man? Oh, that's easy there. Um, 8 foot 11. Tallest woman? Seven for seven and a half. Tallest man was not technically a giant. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Attorneys for convicted murderer Randall Jefferson Great now claim there. to have okay. new so evidence which they hope will save their client's life. In a last-minute filing in federal court this evening, it was revealed that one of the state's key witnesses may have been given a lie detector test. Great. Thanks. Bye. That was Ronnie Pratt. He's clerking for Addison. The two of us were summer associates together. He thinks we definitely have four judges leaning our way. Eleven of them on the panel. Three more, we got it. Well, what about Burton? Burton? Wait a second. I thought we had Burton. They can't find him. He took his family to dinner theater tonight. Either Plaza Suite gets out early or we get the alternate. Philip oh, Syak, Neil Simon reference. Cuban. Here you go. Fast and Carlos Crabbe loves Spirit of America. Then along came Gary, what's his name, uh, the Blue Flame, see? Oh, you know that was a rocket. So folks in the weather grabbed the record. Hmm. Mm-hmm. You see, it wasn't really a car. It was just a rocket on wheels. Hmm. I think they should have gave it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Fast man wins. I'm with you. Hmm. Counselor, how you feeling, Randy? You have a good dinner? I heard you had lobster. Yeah, some butter. <laughs> good, good. Uh, 
I need to go over a few things with you about what's going to happen in the next couple of hours, okay? Uh, approximately 11.30, we're going to move you to a waiting area. Now, uh, Father Maloney will be with you, your lawyer here. I heard a phone ring in the back there. He'll be there yep. about 15 minutes. Mr. Maloney, phone for you. Good pickup. Oh, my God, yes. All right. Hey, congratulations, well, that, was that, that excellent sound team, Keith. I know. Yep. Not yet. We'll wait. Now, on my 1997 uh, rear projection 72-inch television that we had in our living room. Oh, shit. You had a, seven, you had a rear project. You were, you were the fancy kid. I think uh, something fell off a truck, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, regardless, I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have heard that phone ringing on that TV. No. You had, <laughs> you had the uh, fancy TV here? and the All right. uh, VHS rewinder. You were either really fancy or mobbed up. One of the one of the two. They gave him a stay. They gave him a stay. Wow. I just got the call. Fifth Circuit agreed that there was a question as to the propriety of the DA's office at the time of trial. It's kicked to the Supreme Court, but as of this moment, you got to stay. Gotta stay. Oh, that's a beautiful moment. <laughs> Witness waiting room, 1148. You happy? The man is my client. The man is a killer. Enjoy that job. You sound like you're running for something. You don't know me, Mr. Donald. You don't know my office. Yeah, well, if you withheld a lie detector result, I know enough. You know, I asked some buddies of mine up north what they knew about you. Did you? They felt it was a bit hypocritical for you to be setting ethical standards anywhere. Well. Let alone so far from home. I'll see in court. I doubt it. How you doing? So, so. May I have your attention, please? We have just received word that the United States Supreme Court has lifted the stay of execution. Shit. We will proceed. Jimmy will do it. No. Bobby, listen, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell him. Taking the long walk. Oh, I got a flutter in my heart here, Keith. Yeah, well, you realize, you know, the stakes literally couldn't be higher. Wait, so is the the Supreme Court lifting the stay? That's it, right? That's it. Jimmy, the guy and the priest sitting silently in the holding room.
the warden has come to take him out. Priest gives him a hug, whispers something in his ear. Thank you. He hugs Jimmy. Just make a brief statement. Shortly after midnight, wow. Cedar Springs Maximum Security yeah. Facility, the sentence of death was carried out upon Randall DeWitt Jefferson. Fuck. At 12.02, the procedure was initiated. By 12.03, the condemned was fully unconscious, and death was pronounced just a few minutes ago at exactly 12.19. His final words were that he was innocent of the crime for which he had been convicted, that he asked pardon of any people he had hurt, and uh, for their prayers. Jimmy's back in the uh, hotel room. Jimmy? We're heading down. You want to come? Bobby's already down there. Nah. Thanks. I'm beat. Sure? Yeah. Maybe watch some TV. Yeah, okay. Okay. Good night. See you in the morning. Good night. So after... We probably didn't hear because we were talking earlier in the episode. He was bickering about how expensive things were in the hotel room. And he just took a bottle of water out of the hotel room, symbolizing the fact that he doesn't give a shit anymore. He's got the and Guinness now, Book of World Records book. The spirit of America. Sorry. Why don't you go get a drink, okay? Okay. Look, Jimmy, I, um... I just have one more question. What? Look, I don't know if it's appropriate, but, um... Do you still maintain your former feeling about the death penalty? I've answered enough questions today. I tell you, you know, Jimmy's going to watch some TV, but I don't think he's going to watch anything better than that episode of The Practice that night. I just need a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's we'll wait good, for the 45 minutes it takes for you to turn off the credits. <laughs> you. Well, there you have it, folks. There you have it. There you have it. Season 2, Episode 10, Spirit of America. Yeah, well, before before we get into the, uh, into the big feelings, let's, uh, 
Let's take care of some important work here. Okay, so let's let's talk through our lawyers here. Who do you think's the most valuable one? I think it's a team effort. I mean, the whole I think they all sort of uh were doing their best work trying to to get our friend a stay. Um I think leading that charge was clearly Bobby doing the majority of the lawyering um mm-hmm. and calling the plays and really Acting with compassion towards his client, acting with contempt towards those trying to wrong his client. Yes, they did make the point of the, his whole sort of, why do you get to be the ethical standard? But I think that uh, for all of these reasons and more, I think Bobby Donnell leading his team in the right direction for a change uh, is my most valuable lawyer. Okay, yeah, so Bobby's Bobby's yours. That, I think that makes sense. I. I think I'm going to get a little bit more nitpicky and say it was Eugene uh, because he's the one who did the actual work getting and interviewing the guy, which, although it didn't end up being successful in the long run, the piece of evidence he got was the thing that got the stay at least temporarily. Okay. So uh, split for uh, Eugene and Bobby. Congratulations on your most valuable lawyers, even though you both lost. And it is now time for... I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. It's going to be here. So there we go. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. You're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Okay, best guest. Best guest, I don't think that we have to even spend much time debating. It goes to... Uh, Marcelo Thedford. Marcelo Thedford for just, I think, a lights-out performance. Uh, reserved, full of specific beats, full of nuance, uh, believable, no schlock. No melodrama, just a really simple, beautiful performance. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's like there's, there has got to be so much temptation to do too much Mm -hmm. in this moment, and and that's true of everybody on the show, and and I I'm 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 just very very impressed, and especially for a guest actor who's just coming in and like gets thrown into this world, you have to live in this, and I thought he just. I thought he did a terrific job. So, uh, congratulations, Marcelo Thedford, for some truly tremendous work here in this episode. And the first time in, in a variety of weeks th- where the guest actor doesn't come in just to chew the scenery as a comic beat. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he, 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 whatever the opposite of chewing the scenery is, yeah. he did. And uh, speaking of, let's find out who. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Now, you know, Keith, your theme song doesn't specify that this is the best regular actor on the show. Because... Yes, it it does. 
This oh. it, the, the theme song doesn't, but our rules are now this has yes. to be the best of our cast. That's well, why then we it is perfect. Instituted a best guest. You're right. It is perfect because I think I think it's this episode is a one two punch of Marcelo and uh, Jimmy Berlucci. <laughs> Berlucci. Michael um, Badalucho. Yes. My, Michael Badalucho. What a what an absolutely. Like I said, that's an inc- that's a crazy arc to have to try to pull off in an hour without a lot of lines. He had what two yeah. monologues, maybe. Um, well, he, yeah, he barely. Yeah, he had very little to say. Had to do a huge turnaround, you know. And clearly, you you could make an argument for Cameron, like her monologue was just so good. But that's cheating, Cameron. You have to have an arc. You can't just have an amazing monologue where you wipe the floor with everyone <laughs> anymore. We're not. You're not getting away with that anymore. Uh, but no, seriously, like just tremendous work, uh, yeah. and and like shows shows off his uh, dramatic chops again, and it's good for the same reason uh, that Thedford was good, that he just didn't chew the scenery, didn't do too much. There was no melodrama. He just sort of lived in it, and you saw everything. Everything that was going on in his head was available right there in his eyes. He wasn't moving. He was like he was just right there so congratulations michael badalucho for your most recent best actor award so now it is time to determine ladies and gentlemen it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets all right so let's talk about this episode it is definitely unique in the series Uh, It's shot entirely as a documentary um, that would exist in the real world outside of the uh, outside of the show. Stylistically, very different. What did you think? Yeah, I'm I'm really trying to. uh, Man, I'm gonna have to think about it longer. But I'm really trying to think whether the style, which I thought was unique, served it like heightened it in any sort of way. Would I have liked it just as much were it not shot that way? That's something I'd need to kind of dwell on. I, I want to point out a couple of nitpicks first. Yes. Um, I agree with you. I think my biggest problem is uh, we loved we loved Jimmy's arc, but it felt a little ham-fisted in the beginning because it doesn't seem like... The way they set it up, it seems like Cameron would have been the better choice, right? Eleanor would have been the better choice because she had the bigger sort of... Or they could have given Jimmy the monologue that Eleanor had some sort of backstory to to inform us why he had that visceral kind of feeling. Sure, sure, fair enough. In and, fact, and, the fact just giving it to Eleanor felt almost, it, it felt sort of forced, which is why I thought, though she slayed that monologue, it felt a little out of place to me. Like, why is it, why is this isn't about you right now? No, but I, I, I think they were trying to articulate all of the various viewpoints that people can have. And, yeah. it, because you know, with the... Uh, team of defense attorneys you're just naturally going to have most people are going to be against the death penalty and so you had jimmy coming in for it probably just sort of culturally like you you imagine like at home Mm. jimmy's character would have been like yeah fuck that guy he killed you know like he probably the attitude that we saw from the people on the street earlier on and eleanor of course you know probably coming from a bleeding heart liberal place would start out going against it and then so you you had the four against and the turn, and then to turn one way and the turn the other way. So I, the show actually accomplishes showing the viewpoint of four separate viewpoints on the death penalty. I uh, I mean those little things aside, I think that 
you know, for our future listeners, as we backfill this journey that you and I are on, Keith, this is one where I'd say, generally, I think listening with us is, is doing your due diligence. This is one I'd say, absolutely, go watch this episode. Yeah, pull it up on your Hulu or your Amazon. Yeah, or send us an email, and maybe I'll shoot you a Hulu password for a day. Like, just uh, uh, watch it on me. You <laughs> know what I mean? It's a terrible it's, idea. No, I know you're right. It's great. Um, I'm just trying to get people. I'm incentivizing people to write us. Um, oh, I, I, I think you should just send them a tasteful nude. <laughs> oh, God. Maybe it's the mood I'm in. Maybe it's the effectiveness of the episode or just sort of my, just, I think, how, how human it was. I think without, without, close competition i think this is the practice firing on all cylinders i think yeah. it's my favorite episode we've watched mm-hmm. i want to sure. leave some headroom i think the highest i've given was an eight or an eight and a half yeah so, so i'm gonna go and i'm going to give a wholehearted i got choked up once nine spare tires for yes. episode 10 at season two yeah well i mean i i i, I should definitely point out Interestingly, no Helen, no Rebecca in this episode. Um, Rebecca was out know, of last episode, too. She was out of last episode, too. I, I definitely feel like we didn't need Helen for this. I feel, and, and again, like you're serving so many characters in mm-hmm. this sort of thing. Like, I would love to have heard Rebecca's, I would have loved to have seen Rebecca's monologue in it because, you know, she would have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that that said, I I think it's an extraordinary episode of television. Um, I think it really speaks to uh, the promise of the practice, and and just like the the skill, both behind and in front of the camera uh, that this that this show has, and you start to see why this was the prestige television of its day. Uh, so I'm going to also give it a solid nine spare tires uh certainly my favorite thus far even though it was only peripherally an episode of the practice um you know obviously they did a tremendous amount of work studying that type of documentary and finding uh ways to integrate that style into the show so that's actually uh, another point to bring up keith for myself you know I thought, you know, halfway through the second season of a show, you, you start to f- feel its ebbs and flows and the kind of style it has. This, I wasn't aware that they would have these kind of one-off stylistic departures. Yeah. You know, I thought maybe and we'd it, get some more mini arcs, but I didn't know we would do these kind of really awesome one-offs. And so it really has reinvigorated me as to see what else is in store. And, you know, and it's funny, it's, also, it's a really dangerous thing to do. Because, you know, other shows at this era, like uh, The West Wing, did an episode called Full Disclosure, which was also sort of a mockumentary uh, thing that people hate. Mm. It's like literally the lowest rated episode on IMDb so, uh, of, of The West Wing. So it's really, it's, it's high risk, high reward, and I think it panned out. So What was the IMDb rating on this one? Uh, 7.2. Interesting. Uh, which... Which feels low, but I I feel like that's probably there might be a political bias, some po- a political influence here, um, and and especially with a show like this where you have um, you're on so many hot button political issues, you might have some trolls coming in and mm-hmm. who don't like the politics and give it a one uh, and lower it. So anyway, really fascinating, terrific episode, and uh, you know. 
we got ourselves through another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. Oh my god, no. That was the theme song. We're not going to do another episode right now. We had discussed it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to take part in the conversation, let us know your Please. feelings on the death penalty or on Jimmy's uh, toilet issues. You can write us at <laughs> outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com or check out our somewhat weekly blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com uh, or and our social Facebook medias. And- uh, no, no, you do it. Yeah, you do our it. Our social media is at outofpracticepodcast or check out our sister podcast, Wisdom of One. Uh, the Varney Brothers bringing you that sweet, sweet, nerdy goodness. Anywhere you get podcasts. Yeah. So uh, here we go. I'm excited for the next episode. I started Good watching luck to the your beginning. Bruins tonight. Oh, my God. I am so nervous. And uh, it's it's well, I was going to say it's too bad. You can't see me. No, it's good. You can't see me. But I have the most fierce beard I've ever had in my entire life. It's, Maybe we'll uh, post a picture from the Drama Desk Awards tomorrow. Yeah, Keith and I will both be at the Drama Desk Awards, uh, not performing. Yeah, we'll be tagalongs. We sure are. Ah, I love being a tagalong. I love tagalongs. The cookie as well. Are they, are they cookie? Yeah, it's the peanut butter ones, aren't they? I don't the, think so. The girls got the cookies. Brown-eyed Susans. Oh, oh, all right. Well, we'll let you guys know about that one next week. And until then, laser sounds. Laser sounds. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero, Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. (laughs) This podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate, and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of One. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20.